Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered with me, your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I'm here with my friend, Vic Mattis. How's it going? Hello, Mary Catherine. Happy Veterans Day. Oh, thank you. It is Veterans Day, and I can say that one with the S at the end. That one's correct. Veterans yeah, it's not, Day. Yes, it's not a Veteran Day. Mm-hmm. Although it is plural, not possessive, just so you guys know. I'm yes, sure you know that it, it doesn't belong to the veteran. Right. It is it's veterans, all veterans. All the veterans. Well, you can do an S apostrophe there. That's a, that, that, that would take it to the next level. Yeah. Because it is their day to. plural. That's right. Um, do you have veterans in your family? I do. My dad is an Air Force veteran. Oh. A Zoomie. Oh, very <laughs> nice. That's right. Of course. Yes. And, you know, I myself, you know, my father-in-law, uh, he, he was in Vietnam. He was in the Navy. Uh, and I, I myself, as you know, did some time in the service. Did uh, you? I, yes, I did. I, why are you both smiling? I was in the uh, Air Force Auxiliary, also known as the Civil Air Patrol. Were Wait, you I really? was. I was in CAPS when I was <clears throat> seventh grade. Look at you. Uh, yes, I was a, uh, a cadet airman. I was an airman. It did not work out for me mm-hmm. uh, because uh, I wanted to be. I, I you were thought, dishonorably discharged <laughs> from caps. <laughs> I, it was. It was a bone spur. I had a bone spur. Uh, no, there was something. My, I, I always wanted to be a pilot, like of an F fifteen. I thought it'd be really cool. You got F-15. the height for it. <clears throat> <laughs> Thank you. Let's just leave it at that because this is a, an ongoing thing where I'm beginning to discover that I never thought of myself as, quote, short, but apparently I am. I never thought about it that way. I need to start wearing lifts. Uh, anyway, no, besides that, no, the height was perfect. Yes, indeed. The height yes, was perfect. Ex- that's, um, that's all I'm saying. Yes, it was a selling you. point. Yeah, it was a perfect for the cockpit, but I'm blind as a bat. Oh. So uh, that did not. Yeah, that, that was that pre. Was... They changed the rules on that. I think that yeah. you can't have the LASIK now and oh. be. A pilot. Good. Look, I'm just, so, I might be spreading misinformation. I, I'll give I it. Should, a, I'll I give it a try. I'll give that. it a try. It could be like Randy Quaid in Independence Day. Yes. You know, he flies it into the mothership. Yes. So how are you? What's going on? I'm good. Speaking of which, uh, of of fact checking, a good friend Bettina Inclan uh, wrote me to tell me that the vice president does not get uh, Secret Service post serving oh. uh, unless there's a specific threat. Informative. Thank yeah. you. So that's that's a that's our fact check because I like to do it after the fact, you know. That's that, that's what makes it all the more worth it. <laughs> but seriously, we have a lot of kind listeners who have oh, piped yeah. up on Twitter and all Instagram. We really appreciate yeah. it, especially because I'm at like half of my full wits with a brand new baby. So I appreciate mm-hmm. you being patient with us as we mm-hmm. go through trying to create something new here. And uh, and and they've been awesome. And if you could subscribe, rate, and review, that's always helpful to us. The the number of subscribers that we get, it's very important to us because the network's watching, and in a couple of weeks they may they may cancel us. <laughs> we only have we got a short leash due to lack of interest. So uh, I'm feeling energized today because my baby slept in several large blocks last oh. night. Oh, so. but that's just enough to make you feel like you've got it under control, and De- then she's going to go off the deep end again. Define large block. Uh, three or four hour blocks. That's enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. And actually, it's amazing how quickly your body gets used to this. Because if you're living on two, two, two and a half hour blocks, once you get that four to five hour block, you wake up like oh, bright eyed and bushy tailed, oh, yeah. like might ready, as well have had nine. ready to tackle the day. So that's where I am, which is why probably I have already started making some eh, questionable plans for the next week or so. So can you share? Yes. So I've told all you guys, because I have a sick pregnancy every time, that I go a little loopy after the pregnancy and I want to do a lot of things. Well, I found out that my kiddos have Thanksgiving week all off. 
the whole week. The whole week, yes. Wow. Which I did not realize. It's a new school. I didn't know this was part of the calendar. And I had been thinking about going to a University of Georgia football game on November 20th, which is crazy because that's less than a month after my baby was born. But I really want to go to an SEC football game to see my team. And it occurred to me, you know what I could do? I can take the kids and road trip to Georgia and take them to a football game. All of the kids. All of the kids. the newborn. Yes. You're bringing the newborn. Well, it's easier to bring the newborn because then you don't have to like pump, which is a whole thing. <laughs> okay. It's a whole, I'm not going to yeah. get into it, Vic, and neither are you, no. but <laughs> it is a whole thing that if I can avoid it, I would yes. prefer to avoid it. Uh-huh. Okay. So I think we're going to go down to Georgia and do a little tour in the state, how see does, some people, watch some football, do how, some tailgating. How does, how does your husband feel about this? He said, well, first I gave him the option. I know what I would say. Well, I gave him the, the option. The TV looks great. Well, I yeah, say. I gave him the option to go or stay because I said, well, this is going to be about 10 to 12 hours of girl chit-chat in the car. Yeah. <laughs> and that is a lot for him. Mm. On a road trip, there are very few places for an introvert to hide. And uh, and so he would have some trouble, I think. Uh, so he's, he believes in me. He says, go forth. I think we may take my my nanny with us, who is uh, from Mexico, okay. and Ooh. once, but she's a huge fan of American football, and she's never been to an American football oh, game. Oh, that's exciting! She so, got quite. A I think experience. she's never been. I think this will be yes. her first one, and an SEC game is the place to go. So we're gonna just load up. Very exciting. Is this a wise idea? We will find out later. Take plenty of pictures. <laughs> but should I take a picture like uh, the Attorney General of Michigan? You know, <laughs> it's funny you should mention that. Uh, and we just did at the Free Beacon, uh, Andrew Stiles just did a, a, a hilarious post on this. It took me personally about a day and a half to fully recover from my palm lunch from last Friday. As my family will notice, it took me that, about that amount of time. Yeah. Aches and pains, various, various, like even my ribs. <laughs> won't even, why would that happen? In any event. You uh, coming back from the palm is is... is analogous to me coming back from pregnancy about the same, the same timeline I, same. I, I could have used a midwife <laughs> and so uh, uh i'm i'm thinking the, about this and how long it took me to recover and then i thought about dana nessel who is uh, michigan's uh, democratic attorney general who uh on october 30 had gone to a michigan michigan state game don't blame her one bit no very excited to be at that game very yeah. exciting you know they live for this up there and and she got a little carried away and had a little bit to drink and passed out in the stands, and there is there's a picture of her, and yeah. she is flat out. She's flat out. Um, and and then you know what happened. The rest of what happened. She uh, her friends woke her up, mm-hmm. and so it was a bad idea that she might throw up on her constituents. Oh no! And so they dragged her out of the stadium, and they literally wheeled her out. They put her in a wheelchair. I wish that happened to me. I mean, that's they should have one on hand for you at <laughs> they, the home. They should. Just because when that happens. Look, this is why yeah. I don't have constituents, because there's never a risk of my throwing up on them. <laughs> right. Or, or feeling bad about it or them <laughs> voting you out. You know, if you do it, you do it. So her excuse was, uh-huh. her excuse was she had too many Bloody Marys on an empty stomach, which brings up all sorts of questions and issues for me. The first one is, I don't think you really have an empty stomach when you're drinking Bloody Marys, because if, if you get the right one, there's all sorts of garnishes. You get vegetables. There's there's protein in there. There's, you there got is, bacon. Well, there's that's true. Some do the bacon, and certainly there's. So I've had Bloody Marys that have had like shrimp, 
Right. So if you have six, you can half a dozen shrimp. That's a whole appetizer. Celery, olives. It's healthy. Worcestershire sauce. So you are, are you, yes, are you a Bloody Mary or a mimosa person? I'm a Bloody Mary person, oh, for sure. Cool. And also, if you are, if you're tailgating, you should be, you should be packing in some food. You don't, you shouldn't be at the tailgate just having a Bloody Mary. But I, I also feel like my first thought when I saw this headline was relatable. Yes, I've been there. Relatable. This is the thing I thought. I've been there. I, it can. It's happened to the best of us. Actually, I was just there the best, a few days ago. The best of us are listening yeah. and saying, no, it does not happen to me. Um, fine. It happens to the middle of us. Yes. And yeah, not, I am one of best. those. It's not the best. Uh, so stay tuned for my game because I haven't had a, be I haven't been drinking for 10 months. So somebody could really snap some pics of me. When you, just when, kidding. I'll when, have the kids. I'll, I'll keep it tame. When you drink Bloody Marys, how many can you drink? I mean, I think I usually, I mean, it's going to be a very tame number for you. I would say I usually have two. No, I'm going to say the same thing. Yeah. I think for any reasonable person, two Bloody Marys <laughs> is enough because there's all sorts of things going on. A lot of acids and mm-hmm. tomato juice. It's a savory drink. It, it's a lot. It's not mimosas. You, you could probably have a lot of, you could have oh, a whole yeah. pitcher of mimosas, yes. right? But you can get heartburn, acid reflux, <laughs> things like that. That <laughs> Believe me. Drinking with old people, with <laughs> Vic and Mary Catherine. <laughs> no. Don't it takes us three days to recover, and you get heartburn every time. Sponsored by Tomes. <laughs> uh, and it's true, because I do take that. But I think it's crazy. So I have no idea how many Bloody Marys she had to get to that point. Well, but that was very unfortunate. Hopefully she's feeling better. It's it's not a great look, but I I did have some sympathy for yes. it. Yes. Do you, do you make... But it's a big game. It's a rivalry game, too. It's a rivalry you gotta game. you got to tie right. one on for that. It's, yes, Exactly. Uh, it would be like Ohio State versus Georgetown or something. It would be big. Yes, I mean, that's do you, exactly do you, it. Do you, make, do you make your own Bloody Marys? I haven't in a while, but I enjoy it. I mean, I, I like a Bloody Mary bar or somebody, but I really would prefer someone set that up for me. Oh, yeah, to do it yourself yeah. at the fixings. <laughs> right. I, I want it all staged, and then I'll come in and drink. That's what I want to do. I haven't made it in a while, but I have been told I make a very good one. And I think the secret is I use individual cans of Campbell's tomato juice. So no mixes, Ooh. none of the pre-mixed stuff. Okay. And then you put everything in it too, like the salt and the pepper, Worcestershire, as you were talking about, uh, lemon juice, and a little, sp- a small little spoonful of uh, Zatarain's uh, horseradish. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I like mine with some, some pickle juice too. That's, a, that's something that people add occasionally. Very nice. I mean, I would drink pickle juice on its own. So <laughs> here we are. All right. At the kitchen table today, we have a school update, Vic. Are you excited to learn where the Secretary of Education and Randy Weingarten are on whether schools should be open? I can't wait. Because it's it's been up in the air for some 18 months now, whether schools should be open. Now, listen. Listen, everybody. I'm passionate about this issue. There was grace to be had for several months on this because we didn't understand COVID. We didn't know. We didn't know how kids would be affected or how they would transmit. Within several months, we had a fair amount of evidence that they were very low risk and that schools were not changing community spread. They were, in fact, if anything, slightly insulated from the amount of community spread, which kind of makes sense if you think about it, because these are low risk, low transmission population in one place and sort of kept there as opposed to going all over the community. Uh, So they were sort of wrangled. We wrangled the children in places that opened schools. That doesn't mean there's no risk, but in our no, community, in Northern Virginia, which as you, as we have talked about, had an impact on the governor's race, schools were closed for more than a year. There were no children inside classrooms in several gigantic districts here. I remember 
uh, having uh, Zooms with friends from other states that uh, are all originally from New Jersey, but they're in different places. And friends of mine, uh, they live in Massachusetts, and their kids were back already. And I said, what? In Massachusetts? And then somebody says, also New Jersey. I said, what? In New Jersey? Why? why? And, and it turns out Virginia yes. was, in fact, one of the— Among the worst. Among, uh, among I, the worst. And I actually, parts of New Jersey were among the worst as well. And the the, the alignment was this. When it was a very blue Democratic voting community with Democrat-leaning politicians, they would not push back on unions who were saying— we got to keep schools closed. That's right. And as a result, they stayed closed in these very blue communities. Uh, now that Virginia went the way it went, I can't say that's their motivator, but perhaps it has something to do with that. Uh, Randy Weingarten, who's the head of a national teachers union, and the secretary of education are sort of changing their tune. Randy Weingarten tweeted this week, hey, you know what? It's really it's time to think about unmasking the kids outdoors. The lowest risk population in the lowest risk place, maybe we can drop the masks. So that's her new position. Johnny come lately to this scientific information. (laughs) And look, I appreciate that she's there now, but I think that there needs to be some admission that we should have been here a lot earlier. You almost feel like they could have also said, we think it is probably safe enough now to return in the next few months to baseball and football stadiums, as long as everyone is six feet apart. Right. A couple months we ago, think, a couple months ago, that was not safe. But now, yeah, it's safe now. Where, where here I am, flagrantly taking three children to a to yes, a football game. Proudly it's outdoors, guys. Go uh, dogs. That's right. And uh, keep in mind, Randy Weingarten was, of course, outed when she was in Puerto Rico for uh, the teachers oh, uh, and yes. that, that big conference down there. And she was indoors and she was without a mask. And then she was asked, why didn't you have a mask? And her answer was because, well, pe- I realized people couldn't hear what I was saying. Ah, uh, yes. To which all the kindergartners said, you don't say, Randy. You don't say. Do you have trouble communicating with your face covered up? No. A lot, as you, as you were saying, you know, it's a lot of kids, you know, have been going to school. Right. You know, uh, even in, in, in where we are now in Virginia, um, if they went to a private school, they were going in yeah. and, they, and they were fine. And this is the thing that I think was frustrating for so many parents is that in our case, less than a mile from our house, the private school was running with no problems. Oh, and you see it. And it drove you. It drove me insane. I would go running by um, a pri- uh, it was a, it was a Catholic school and there's no, you know, and they were completely booked. You know what I mean? They're, oh, they had people flooding in. Flooding in. People flooding in. And the kids were out there. They were in the playgrounds, running around, having a great time. And everyone else was in their homes. Yeah. In their homes. Including, by the way, among those flooding in, the children of the superintendent of one of the local school exactly. systems that did not open in exactly. Alexandria, Virginia. Slow clap for that one. Slow clap for that one. So the uh, Secretary of Education has said, look, at this point, I don't think there's any more need for remote or hybrid learning. So here we are in 2021. Just but, wonderful. But here's the question for me is that part of this is a political maneuver. Part of this might be that vaccinations for kids are now available. Yes. And so they're anticipating that a lot of kids will be vaccinated. They are also anticipating encouraging a lot of kids to be vaccinated. And we know how quickly the government timetable has gone from encouraging to mandating on, a, on in other 
segments of uh, of the population. So we'll see what happens there. So that might that may be playing into it. We still are an outlier on the global stage. Folks in other countries have been open in school and are not actively encouraging child vaccinations. That's right. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like in Europe, for example, on the kids who have been going back to school, are they masked? Are they not masked? No, they were unmasked early. Now, that's not all of Europe. Mm-hmm. There were places where they had spikes and they would remask, but largely uh, in Scandinavian countries and European countries, mm-hmm. yes, they could. They, they showed themselves able to do school largely unmasked, particularly with younger kids. That's right. I mean, and, and it has to do with, I think, uh, different opinions and approaches to things such as herd immunity and exposure. I mean, you, so. you could just see Kate Middleton goes into elementary schools in Britain and they have no masks on. And I know that they wouldn't endanger Kate Middleton, so... Nobody like that ever came to my school. You want to point that out. There, there it would have gone badly. Was, I'm talking about when I was in college. So. College Vic and Kate Middleton. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. Inappropriate. But as an update, let's see. The, the campaign to vaccinate elementary school age children in the U.S. is yes. off to a strong start, according to the AP. Uh, about 900,000 kids ages 5 to 11 will have received their first dose of COVID-19 vaccine in the first week of eligibility. But as we know from the adult rounds... The easy, you know, everybody who's gung-ho goes real fast, and then it falls off fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. So we will see what the posture of the education department and Randy Gar- Weingarten will be from here on out. But I do, I think you live in a free country. Sure. There are going to be people who understandably hold off or don't want to vaccinate young children. What are schools going to go do about that? What are the teachers unions going to do about that? And it seems to me that politically it's very damaging for them to not get back to normal at school. But they may want to hold out on this front. It depends on where you are, certainly where we are. This is a big concern of ours here in Virginia because what you're... <laughs> there are, I should note, yes. there are plenty of people in the United States listening to this who are like, y'all didn't have any school? Right, no, outside the Beltway, <laughs> life has been normal now for like the last two years. We understand that. People have been telling about us about this. But here, it is different. And, uh, you know, uh, the question is, are there going to be... You know, aside from the mandate question... Even if they can't pull that off, are they going to prevent unvaccinated kids from taking part in all sorts of activities, whether it be the school play, whether it be in sports, whether it be this or that, and this continual marginalization of uh, an age group that, frankly, by and large, was not the most susceptible to hospitalization and and death. And they've had a rough time. They've they've had had a rough rough 20 months. And yes, kids are resilient, but that doesn't mean that we should do things to them that we don't need to do. That's that's my concern. So we will see what happens. But the political price was high here for keeping things as abnormal as the unions wanted until the unions got their giant payout from COVID bills to, quote, unquote, go back to school. But it was not that money that helped anybody go back to school. What helped people go back to school here was a bunch of angry parents telling their school boards that they really needed to go back to school. And and that's what it took. I mean, that's also one of the weird effects of... uh, uh, of the COVID and the, the pandemic shutdown, I was going to say, because a lot of parents, they just send their kids to public schools. You know, we did that guilty as charged. You know, we don't know what to teach. You know, as long yeah. as you come back and the grades are good. And then when they came back and you got to see, you know, over Zoom or whatever, what they're learning or what they're not learning, then I think that's where a lot of parents got really worked up and said, yeah. hey, this isn't right for any number of reasons. Well, and also one of the things I've said before is, look, public schools are of differing quality in different places, right? You, and yes. I, like mine were middling to not great when I was in school. But the thing you could count on them for was that they opened their doors. And then suddenly that was not the case 
And a bunch of people realized, oh, I should actually think about where I'm sending my kid and whether that is a reliable place to send them. And as we see, and you keep seeing news stories in different districts of school systems lengthening Thanksgiving holidays, throwing holidays at parents when they were not on the school calendar uh, until a week or two ago. And that sort of unpredictability is not helpful for parents and I think will continue to make parents leave systems. Yes, and you're, you're seeing the the numbers. And uh, New Jersey, for example, has seen a large number of uh, parents take their kids out of public schools. Well, you know who's going to fix that? The newest New Jersey state <laughs> senator, Edward Durr, <laughs> Senator-elect Durr, who I'm pretty I'm pretty sure by now we've we've have we had problematic tweet yeah, oh, uh, news oh, cycle already. Dug in. Okay, they've yeah. dug in. They found it. They didn't look. They didn't care to look at it. Tweets when he was have running. surfaced. Um, at any rate, Some he, of them are not good. <laughs> yes, uh, so I have heard. I have not looked deeply uh, into this, I, I, but I just assumed this would happen yes, at some point. But the New Jersey State Senate President Steve Sweeney conceded to Edward Durr, the truck driver who ran. Uh, and it turns out we have an updated amount of money that he spent. It was actually not $153. Apparently, according to Newsweek, $2,300 to the 300 some thousand <laughs> that, yes. that it's the still state a senator big difference. used. Yes. Um, so uh, the the state the state senate president says it was a red wave. There was a lot of GOP turnout, and some of that came from the fact that a lot of schools in New Jersey were closed. That's right. In areas like North Jersey, for example, even if you look at uh, places like Montclair, you know, which yeah. is very liberal, uh, and, and and they turned on you know the schools and the school systems because they wanted their kids back in, and there was all sorts of politics played. And Montclair is what. Uh, people call the New York Times annex mm-hmm. because it's everybody from New York that just went over there and it's very liberal. But if that's turned against you, then you have problems. Yeah, this is, it, this is yeah. a heck of a loss and it really snuck up on him and yeah. is, a, I think, a sign of just how irate people were because they just said, I need, I need another option. That's right. As Steve Sweeney, who was the, uh, the out, now the outgoing uh, state senator. And, and, and I should note, uh, in the past, has bucked unions and worked yes. with New Jer- uh, with a former Republican governor, I've heard Chris that. Christie, on uh, public sector union I've heard that. Uh, pension reform. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a sexy sentence? <laughs> I couldn't even try to say that twice. <laughs> uh, the uh, it must be particularly infuriating for him because only now people are talking about some of these tweets. Uh, some of them are bad. From Ed Doerr. Yeah. Well, one of them, though. That's kind of your job. It's kind of, yes, number one, it's your job. Number two, it's kind of in line with that yeah. Jersey, that Jersey element that I know of, by the way. That's that's very right, to, right. to call the coronavirus the China virus, and they're saying it's racism. Just to talk about that specific tweet, it's from China. I mean, it's yeah. not like people get upset when people say Spanish flu. You know, how dare you? Maybe I do. The Sp- Maybe I do, Maybe, Vic. How dare you demean the Spanish? I'm going to cancel Vic right now. I get such a kick out of it. In the story, also, by the way, I get such a kick out of uh, people being fascinated about this uh, particular loss for the Democrats in the third legislative district. If you look at the third legislative district. And I do all the time. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing there. I'm just going to say I've spoken as a true sort of Jersey Shore elitist. You just drive through How there, can there be to nothing get the there? Cape Bay. Jersey's so little. Like there's got to be something in no, there. No, it's, it's lots of fields and plains. It's, 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 I didn't it's, even know they had those Yes, in you would be surprised. And forest, and the Pine Barrens are further east. But... Uh, there's like uh, Woodbury, and then there's Carney's Point, which is where Bruce Willis grew up. 
and there's uh, and there's an important and, place. Yes, it's Salem and Cumberland County, and there's uh, Swedesboro, which I've been to. There's an Italian restaurant. I have in been Swedesboro. to Swedesboro. Yes, on the way because you see it I, on the turnpike. Yes, exit I two. ate at a lovely diner in Swedesboro. I ate in a lovely Italian restaurant. It was <laughs> called Bottos, and I, you know they have Italian long hots, and then they stuff the mozzarella, and the prosciutto. Oh, it was good. Sorry. I we stopped at a diner on the way up to uh, New York to do the view. And in Swedesboro, yeah. When, when you say we, you and your driver from The View, is that the chauffeur? And do you sit at separate tables my, or my does he husband, wait in the car? My husband, actually, oh. who does, who does, oh. has been mistaken for my security before. That's good. <laughs> that has never happened. He's, to, that he's has got never, that physique. That has never happened to my wife, by the way. <laughs> I believe in her, though. Yeah. She, well, could, people, she could defend yeah, you. People think that the wife, my wife is my security, yeah. actually. Would yeah, she defend true. you? Yeah. She could, she could. but would she? she? Could, would she? We'll find out. <laughs> All right. We have to get into a little hard news here, Vic. Yeah. Speaking of self-defense. Oh, sorry. Lordy. He did it. He did it. <sighs> Politically incorrect segues with Vic. Um, it's all my segues. We're going to talk about Kyle Rittenhouse, yeah. who is the young man who's charged with several several crimes for the part that he played in a Kenosha, Wisconsin night of protest and rioting, which turned and very ugly. Everybody was out. Yeah. So Kyle Rittenhouse went... To Kenosha, according to him, to sort of defend businesses in the, was this the summer of 2020? Yeah, I guess it was. Right. Um, yeah, Kenosha. Yeah, to, to defend businesses, to stand up for people, in his telling, where local authorities had decided not to, right? Because there was this sense in 2020 that in your city, you weren't sure if you were, if we were defending property, because a lot of the, a lot yeah, of the messaging was, right. it's just property, You'll get paid back with insurance. This doesn't matter. These, these crimes don't matter so much. Well, Kyle Rittenhouse goes and in the process of doing whatever it was he was doing, he was armed with an AR-15 style rifle. And he ended up in conflict with three men, two of whom he shot and killed and one who survived with an arm injury. And so now he's on trial. And what struck me about the trial, which is being televised, is very, very high profile. It's been high profile since it happened. However, when people started watching the trial, they realized I didn't really understand what happened here. That's right. And to me, that is the, there's obviously the story of the crime, but the, the, there's a larger lesson to be learned about how we cover these high profile crimes as media and how we talk about them. And one of the things I do, even though I get accused of my silence being violence, is that I don't talk about these things immediately afterwards because we do not know what we happened. Don't know. And so one of the things, uh, first of all, I will, I will recommend to you guys the early reporting from the New York Times under a headline, Tracking Suspect in the Fatal Kenosha Shootings, will give you a timeline of what happened on that night with a lot of video and is actually, I know you won't hear me say this about the New York Times very often, actually very good journalism. <laughs> so you can yeah. check that out if you want like a fuller understanding of whether he was defending himself, the situation that he was in, But even, and I will give her a lot of credit for this, a host of The Young Turks, which is a very popular liberal Mm -hmm. uh, YouTube show, she was watching the trial and realized, I thought the entire time that Kyle Rittenhouse was chasing these men and then shot them. When in fact, what happened was there was some altercation. They chased him and one was after him with a skateboard to the head. One was after him with his foot, and the other one, the third one, was armed with a gun. She didn't realize that in all of her reading about this crime. 
and that is bad. And then, she, but she fessed up to it. And initially, I was under the assumption that Rittenhouse was the person who was chasing after Joseph Rosenbaum. That that that's how it had started. But I was wrong about that. Okay, so I want to correct the record. I was in fact wrong about that. I appreciate her. Uh, the the fact that people did not know that part until now is a problem. Well, I love that you mentioned that this is a lesson to be learned because it won't. <laughs> in case I don't, it was very rather rhetorical. The trial is a mess, uh, and and yesterday in particular was a mess with the prosecutor. Yes, uh, trying every which way to go after Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, the prosecutor, by the way, wearing the lapel pin that is always Star Wars themed. Oh, really? He, yes, that's what uh, uh, our own Kevin Daly was telling me here at the Beacon. Uh, that's, uh, you know, it doesn't inspire confidence if you're on the prosecutorial well, there, side. There's several levels of circus going on here. Yeah. And this does not speak to whether I think Kyle Rittenhouse will be found guilty or not guilty. Just There's several levels of people not dealing with the facts in a responsible way here. And as a result, you know, everyone knows this guy's name. And I, I think even a Democratic uh, House representative last night tweeted, lock him up and throw away the keys. The trial is ongoing, sir. And I'm, I'm, sir, I'm sure as a liberal Democrat, you respect this due process that we are having here. But too often the fact is, and it would flip the other way, right? Sure. If, if, if the right was the one that was mad about this, is that people don't respect the due process and they don't cover these things fairly when they have a narrative in their head. That's right. And also uh, people who feel very strongly that Kyle Rittenhouse should be thrown in jail, uh, locked in jail and throw away the key. I wonder how many of them actually know the background of the victims. Right. Who are they're convicted felons? Right? Well, yes. The argument is that Kyle Rittenhouse went there looking for trouble. I just as a personal, I don't think mm-hmm. it was. I don't think it was wise for him to go there. Armed, yeah, right. Yeah, seventeen-year-old armed. Yes, okay, not wise. By the way, did you know something I learned this week? He did not carry a gun over state lines, which was one of the things we've heard the entire time. Oh, that was time. one of these running things. Yes. Um, it turns out he did not. He was from Illinois, but he did not bring the gun into Wisconsin. He faces no charges for that particular thing. Right. But it's just Smooth an example charges. of how these. These myths about it fly. But yeah, then you've got the prosecutor who is a confusing mess. He got, you know, it's bad when the judge chews you out like that. And he was trying to uh, enter something that was inadmissible and had already been decided that you can't talk about it. And he was trying to make the suggestion that I think that Kyle Rittenhouse was inspired by playing Call of Duty. And because of that, he became delusional and went out there to play a sort of a real live version of the video game, which is insane. And it's not true because people play video games all the time. Lots of yes. people play video Look, I love civilization. I like to play as Otto von Bismarck. It does not mean I have these grand delusions of wanting to take over the... Okay, never mind. Bad example. Okay. Bad example. Let's, okay, let's move let's on to go. a different okay, one. <laughs> no, but the, it, it, it great... I roll my eyes at the Call of Duty thing anytime this comes up because there have been many studies that have shown this is not the case. Uh, and in fact, well, you'd have to shave off like the last year or so. But uh-huh. over the years that Grand Theft Auto has been the main target for these kind of arguments, carjackings and such have gone down right. while it's, there's no- Grand Theft Auto has been more popular and mm-hmm. I think more violent as it goes, right? So there is not a correlation here. And even if there were, that speech, baby, yeah, it, this is right. art. That's these right. are video games, man. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I actually. This per- is my. That's my dorm room voice. That was. That was very good. On on a personal level, I don't play those particular games because I get motion sickness. Really? Yes. Yes. I did want to be a pilot. That's true. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're gonna make it someday, Nick. <laughs> one of these I believe in you. I believe in you. Anyway, so the, the other thing we have a quick clip. Quick clip. I can say that 
of the uh, prosecutor, who also makes reference as if it is as if it's a problem to Kyle Rittenhouse's desire to stay silent after he was arrested. And he really gets like a, a short constitutional lesson from the judge here. He's commenting on my client's right to remain silent. No, Your Honor, I am making the point that after hearing everything in the case, now he's tailoring his story to what has already been introduced. The problem is, this is a grave constitutional violation for you to talk about the defendant's silence. And that is, and 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 you're right, you're right on the you're right on the borderline, and you may you may be over, but uh, it better stop. Understood. So I believe this this trial is coming to an end because Kyle Rittenhouse was on the stand yesterday, uh, or in the in the last couple of days, and and broke down on the stand, was in for lots of public ribbing. As a result, <laughs> look again, not wise to be there. But there are separate questions about this isn't this isn't really a moral question of whether a teenager should have been in this place and put himself in this position. By doing that, you do not therefore give up your right to self-defense. So there's a legal question that they will be dealing with. And I think this prosecutor has not done the swiftest job making his case. There, there could very well be a mistrial. Yeah. There could have been. I be, yeah, I believe they moved for one at some point, right? They did. Yes. They did. The judge said he'll take it um, into consideration. So we'll find out. He's, he's, there are, I'm not, I'm not going to flesh all of them out for you, but there are some one, two, three, how many? Six charges Yeah. right now. And among them, it seems like, this one seems pretty easy. He's a, he was out past curfew. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I guess you can't disprove that. <laughs> he's out past curfew. He's That's out. it. It's on, it's on video. Uh, and then one, I think, I think he was underaged for carrying the particular weapon he had. So yeah. those two seem like you could, okay. you could do that. But this is, there's a cycle here where, where people sort of demand charges for people that might be a little bit outside of what yeah. the prosecutor can actually prove. That looks like it might be the case here. And then you get this another cycle of people being angry and possibly going out in Kenosha. And then reacting and then to got, the reacting to yes, the reacting. Yes, and you've got another dangerous cycle. So, And if we could be more responsible about, about the coverage, there would be less of that, which would be good for all of us. That's my lesson today. Okay. <laughs> and I do, I, I thank the Young Turks uh, host for saying, hey, I, I was mistaken about this. Another person uh, on Twitter was like, oh, I didn't realize the guys he shot were white. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, like I sure. was following. Sure. And, and these are people who follow the news. Yeah. This is not, they this just is not somebody assumed. who just checked they in. They just assumed. But the, the tone of the coverage is such that one can be confused. Now I'm lost, and I don't know what we're doing next. Ah, you know what? Kyle Rittenhouse uh, could have gotten away with uh, car, uh, carjacking yes. if he was in San Francisco. It's true. Look at you. Gosh. King of segues. That's what I'm going to call him. All right. In San Francisco. Look, should we, should we do a regular segment on San Francisco? Just like bad news from San Francisco? Yeah. I, I actually... It's a beautiful city. It and is. in the past, I have loved visiting. It's been a while since I've been there. Same. Uh, I think the last time I was in San Francisco was probably 2007. Oh, no. I was there reporting on my my vodka book. Oh, so that well, was like 2013. As, 2012. as you should. 2012. It was there in 2012. Uh, and that was, uh, and it was still nice at the time. 
there's a very famous restaurant there. I think it may be the oldest restaurant in San Francisco, and they have a specific seafood stew that's very... Chopino. Yes. The Chopino. I knew yeah, he'd know things I'm, like I'm, that. That's what I'm here for, So the food questions. So my father ate there. My dad loves San Francisco, and he ate there and had the Chopino. Yeah, it's so good. And I, one Christmas, my dad's very hard to shop for. One Christmas, I looked around on eBay and other antique stores and found a recipe book that featured what is allegedly the yes. famous Chiopino right. recipe from this restaurant. I must note I have, I have yet to taste the Chiopino uh, made by my father using okay. this recipe. So it, we got we to gotta yeah. get on that. It's been a couple years. It's, uh, you know, it, 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 a tomato-based yeah. uh, stew. My dad's stew. a good cook, so I know he could handle it. Oh, I bet. Yeah. yeah. So I, the the thing with San Francisco but, and, is yes. Go yeah, ahead. No, please. you go ahead. Oh no. no I, one more pleasant yes. thing about San Francisco before we talk about the <laughs> before we get down and dirty, so to speak. <laughs> you know, if you want to see a nice picture of San Francisco, you watch the movie, uh, the Alfred Hitchcock movie Vertigo, which uh, I think is not a. It's not my favorite Hitchcock movie. I think it goes on for anyone who listens to me on a sub will know it does not do well on certain quadrants like mm, plot mm-hmm. and duration. Okay, but but it is certainly visually. Uh, spectacular to see San Francisco at that time. It is not like that now. If you go, for example, uh, to get on the cable cars, you know, you will be harassed, you know, uh, mm. by very aggressive uh, homeless people. Yeah. And the other thing is, of course, now the crime, not just being able, they have their their district attorney, Chase Boudin, right, who's right. extremely permissive, as we know. And I believe it's going to face a recall. He should. It's one of the political backlash yes. stories of the last 18 well, months. And, and so the story that you wanted, to, I think you wanted to talk about, Mary yeah. Catherine, was about how rental car companies uh, were encouraging people, or people were saying to tourists, don't rent a car. Right. <laughs> the, the, I shouldn't the, say rental car The companies. word is, car break-ins have gotten so frequent in San Francisco that if you have a car and you leave, I mean, you leave anything in it, you're just putting yourself out there for it. And there will be no cost for this to the criminal. There's not really a lot of follow-up, obviously, on a smash and grab. So if you are in the city and you have your car, this will be the price that you may pay. And the, and the chances of it are very high. Yes. And that's just, it's just sad for a place that's so been lovely to visit. It's visually spectacular because it's right there on the bay with the Golden Gate and the Bay Bridge and Alcatraz and Angel Island and the whole thing you go over to Tiburon, Sausalito, all these wonderful places. Uh, and then you have to deal with this insanity that is all wholly man-made insanity, right? Um, but it's along the same lines as the San Francisco Chronicle story that went viral. It was the tweet from an article about what for, what do San Francisco authorities do because you know burglaries were on the rise do they actually prosecute these burglars or do they just stress barricading your home Yeesh. that's the choice and it's there is some middle ground and this is the the problem with so much of our discourse is that mm-hmm. that it's either it's either throw people for minor charges in jail forever and ever and ever amen and for brutal treatment or do nothing I feel like there's something. There should be something. There's a lot of cities who find a middle ground there, and there. And I'm sympathetic to the fact that there are many issues with the criminal justice system that we can address. Mm-hmm. I am skeptical that letting San Francisco become this is the answer. The do nothing sort of helpless attitude reminds me of New York and the crime wave in the 1970s into the 80s. And I remember because I'd been to New York at that time. Um, I remember a subway fight breaking out 
when I was in there uh, in, in the subway and I was in the front. I couldn't move back because everybody moved back and I'm like, let me back here. No one would let me back. I was like 10. Uh, the, and the attitude at the time was that, you know, homelessness and, and uh, poverty, rather poverty and crime right. and murder is just a part of city life. So get used to it. It was the same attitude with communism, Soviet communism. Just get used to it. And, and a uh, lot of people don't like that message. No, they don't. And, and, the, and, and so enough people were able to say enough. And the, it's a real test for San Franciscans, though. I mean, are they going to reach a threshold where San Franciscans themselves are going to be able to – the people who live there in places mm-hmm. like Russian Hill or wherever are going to say enough is enough? I have very – I have a very low opinion of these people, so I'm going to say it's going to take a lot more. Yeah, I mean, there are some people leaving for sure, and there were there were uh, pretty more robust than I would have imagined for San Francisco protests about the schools being closed for yes, as long as they were. True. That did it. Surprise, surprise! When you close schools for a year, it makes people angry enough to do something, even in a place like San Francisco where they're not used to being mad at the unions or their local Democratic leaders. But for this, they were. It, it, or maybe not as vocal about it. And it forced them to, uh, the, the San Francisco uh, school board, for example, to reprioritize because I know they were obsessed during the time of the pandemic and the shutdown with renaming schools. Well, that's, a, yeah. That's another, but so, I know, I know this is That's my, what they did. I, I got a hammer and everything's a nail. But uh, on, what is your name? But on, on, the, on the school stuff, one of the things people noticed, parents noticed, is like, you, you don't even have kids in the building. And this is what you're worried about? It's not that they disagreed necessarily with renaming or even with some of the critical race theory teachings. Many of the te- many of the students or yeah. many of the parents are not that up in arms about that. They're up in arms about the prioritization. The one that really got me was several months into the pandemic when we had zero kids in schools. And one of the school board members in my district uh, wrote a very long piece on, I believe, like medium.com uh, about... <laughs> how proud he was that they had implemented an electric school bus fleet, to which I said, there are no students on the buses. What are we doing? What are we doing? So that's what it feels like to be a a parent in those areas. (laughs) Okay, we have to talk about this, and I don't know if I put it on my list or not, so I might be surprising you, Vic, and I haven't listened to it yet. Let me just say that if you love Kamala Harris... This might not be the podcast for you because I keep finding things to pick on. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to target her, but a 28% approval rating and then various video clips that are just too delicious to ignore. This one is in France. And I got to tell you, Vic, I'm told that she's speaking with a fake French accent. And I know that I just said that you should be careful with facts and like, you know, do your research and stuff. I have not listened to this yet because I want an organic reaction. And also because I cringed so much when I started it that I couldn't watch to the end. It's hard to get through. Okay, we're going to try it together. It's 20 seconds long. Can we do it? Here we go. With us in government, we campaign with the plan. Uppercase T, uppercase P, the plan. And then the environment is such that we're expected to defend the plan. Even when the first time we roll it out, there may be some glitches and it's time to reevaluate. And then again, the awkwardness is just, it's off the, you know, there used to be a car, there used to be a car 
and uh, it was a, it was a small French car, and it was introduced in the United States, and it was Le Car. It's like the, like the plan. Now she didn't say le, she didn't say Le Plan. So there are people out there. Nor did she say the plan. No, she didn't say that, and she didn't say Der Plan if she was in Berlin. Um, but she, uh, uh, there are defenders of hers who are saying that she was not attempting in a French accent. That's all in your mind. She was being friendly, and that's all there is. What's wrong with you? Okay, fine. Let's 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 grant that maybe it's not. Maybe it's not a phrase. It still comes off as very cringy for whatever reason. And I, I really, I had to. St- I tried to watch it yes. yesterday, and I had to stop the video several times. I had to, I had to do it here to hold myself accountable and actually listen to it. It's, it's something else, and I'm not sure. You know, look, it's it, again. People are comparing this to Veep, and it really is. But if you did this on Veep, people would say that yeah, you're exaggerating. It's, like, it's a little on the nose. Yeah. It's too much, guys. Right. It's, too much. it's too much. So that's VP Harris. Vic loves food news, so we're gonna do. <laughs> Food news, but you're gonna have to stay away from this lobster, Vic, because it's very valuable. Well, okay. A Maine lobsterman caught a rare cotton candy lobster this past weekend. The odds of catching a cotton candy lobster are one in 100 million. He has like an opal esque sheen to him. He's sort of purpley, pinky, iridescent. What do you think? Don't you wonder how it tastes? I mean, does it taste like cotton candy? Is it sweet? I don't think so. It's not like the grapes. I would, I would, I, I would say, I would say, yes, I would say, uh, as a little tip for our listeners, if you don't know this already, uh, if you're looking for a, a more flavorful, let's say, a lobster or a chicken, mm-hmm. the smaller they are, the better. Really? So if you go to a restaurant, like we have three, four, five pound lobsters, and of course they charge you by the pound. So people are like, I'm really going to splurge. Let's get the enormous lobster, which is truly enormous. But the tastier ones are always the smaller. If you're thinking about getting a chicken, get it under four pounds. That's really the key because that has the most flavor in it. So that's Shh, my don't that's tell my, the inflation. That, that's right. That's right. And I do feel bad for the. I do feel bad about beautiful creatures that are eaten. I'm mm-hmm. glad to hear he's probably not going to be. Eaten yeah, this, I think they're going. Lobster. They're going to send him to some preserve. Okay. There's. I'm sure there's a lobster yeah. preserve somewhere in Maine. Yes, that's they're right. Gonna, they're going right. to ship because well, he's very. Yes, he's and he has a name or she. Okay. I don't know. And Hattie. Hattie is the name. Hattie. H-A-D-D-I-E. That kind of sounds like a, maybe it's a girl. <laughs> Bill Coppersmith, who's been fishing for 40 years, caught the lobster, which was named Hattie after his granddaughter. Oh. It is the first cotton candy lobster he has caught. Well, I hope so. <laughs> You're right. Because the caught, odds are pretty incredible. That he's caught and hasn't eaten. That's what they forgot to say. <laughs> but it's like, uh, for example. You know what yeah. I wonder? You wonder what it tastes like. Yeah. I wonder what color it would be after you Boil you it. boil it, it because still, you know yeah, how they change That would be color. the worst thing if it turns out to just be also red. Like, uh, what a disappointment! Because I was curious. Wah, wah. As to, if you see, for example, um, if you go uh, snorkeling and go to uh, coral reefs and such, uh, parrotfish, parrotfish are very beautiful. You know, they have these neon rainbow colors. When they cook them, they just look like regular fish. <laughs> so sad. So sad. Uh, and then one last story before before the 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 Christmas season begins. And you should begin now because the supply chain yes. issues are real. Um, there is a new offering for your wrapping needs. By the way, do you wrap presents? I only or wrap. Is that a gender divided? Excuse me. I o- I wrap presents for my wife. There you go. And that and it you know, I do it a certain way. Okay, it's not as bad as when I was a kid, right? Which is like ah, whatever. You throw things together, <laughs> but it's not. It's not pretty. Like the edges. So I do a lot of you know. I cut the the, the parts that you have to fold right. on the edges of the box. They're always like here and there, and because you know the scissors and everything, it's a little are jagged. They, or it's is jagged. It, are they? Or Does is it just notice? a? It's just a box with with, with straight sides, just like. Uh, 
I, I believe in you. I, okay, so so yes, I I only I only wrap a few, and and uh, every now and then you try for the shortcut of I'll just put in this gift bag. Yes, that counts. Okay, and you know what? I think gift bags are fine because they make the tree look more variegated underneath. Yeah, you know, you want different true. heights. Yes, yes. And true. so I think that's fine. You just can't cop out on all okay. of them. All right. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, my. <laughs> The middle the middle kid in our family has gotten away for now almost 40 years pretending he does not know how to wrap presents and doing it so incompetently that my brother, the the youngest, and I just take over for him. Like, this is just disgusting. Right. We can't have these under the tree. We're going to have to do it. And now my husband is the same thing. And my husband cannot get away with that because he's an extremely competent person. Not that my other my brother is not as well, but he started when he was like seven building this case. Steve is very competent. And meticulous as a human being, and yet he cannot wrap a present that doesn't look like just a potato. Oh, it's not in his. It's not in his wheelhouse. You know, if it involved a um, a circular saw, a miter <laughs> saw, he could probably do a great job. Or a weapon. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's very precision with those. But the important news is that Hormel has unveiled bacon scented wrapping paper. It is a sweepstakes, though. You can't just buy the bacon scented no. wrapping paper. You have to enter to win bacon-scented wrapping paper. And also the pitch man for this is Coolio. <laughs> I think we have a clip. Welcome to Wrapping with Coolio, presented by the makers of Hormel Black Label Bacon. There's no doubt about it, decking out the holidays can be stressful, but I'm here with all the bacon wrapping tips that you need to make your holiday guests feel like cherished Ho, ho, homies. So you can you can get this. It's based on Hormel's Black Label Bacon. Would you like bacon-scented wrapping I, paper? Okay, so I believe they what, what they claim that it's baked into the paper. Is that what they say? It's baked into the paper. I like the idea of it. However, I really would have to smell it myself. You know, it's you're, the I, the concept. I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't come out earlier. It's basically scratch and sniff. I those little stickers that kids used to get. I had a big collection. That's true. You just reframed that for me. I was thinking this was like real cutting edge technology, and yeah, now I'm no, like, that's oh, all it is. Except it's for just you a can smell and it. <laughs> and I like the idea. My concern, my concern is if it smells too much like it, uh, might it attract something that might try to eat it or someone. True. Who might try to eat it? True. And and I like to uh, on Christmas nowadays. I I will at some point leave the you know the gift area once things settle down and start making breakfast, mm-hmm. and I will cook some bacon or sausage, and that adds it's it, it adds more the, the smell and to it, it connects yes. the smell to the holiday, and and that's something that you can eat. That don't eat the I wouldn't try don't to eat, eat the yeah paper. I. I, I like bacon, not in that way that some people do where it's their identity, but I do I really enjoy it. It's Me a too. it's a quick, easy meal that everyone in my family likes or a quick, easy source of protein. Everyone thin likes and, so I, thin and crispy, thick and thick or chewy. Oh, I'm crispy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's one member of our, of our family who likes the chewier, so I just undercook hers and <laughs> hand it off yeah. to her. Yeah. <laughs> but the rest of us, crispy. But the thing is I don't like everything wrapped in bacon. And I think with pre- like I don't like the bacon wrapped dates. I don't like uh, scallops wrapped in bacon wow. because too well, decadent. No, it's because when you wrap a scallop in bacon, the bacon is therefore necessarily chewy, not crispy. Uh, and that's yes. the only kind I want. Uh. With Christmas presents, I feel like this is just gilding the lily a bit. Like the the presents are already great, the colorful wrapping paper. Plus, I got to enter a sweepstakes. If I can't buy that stuff online and have it delivered, I'm no, I don't want to part oh, of so it. So you're throwing it away unless you're going to be the kind of person that tries to save wrapping paper. I know people save ribbons and stuff. Or just torture your wrapping. dog with it. Mm, yeah. What's this? Yeah. yeah, I feel bad. You're cutting it. The way I, make a, the way I wrap a present, it'd just be a waste. 
It would. We're Pearls just, before swine. Maybe maybe if Steve wraps his potato-shaped presents in, in bacon wrapping paper, it would make up for it. I've thought of a new segment, guys. Everybody's here. You're here for the birth of this segment. Get excited. <laughs> it is. What? You don't like. You, there's not a lot of birthing going on you here. You know, it's. I got it on the brain. Okay, 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 okay. Go ahead. Deliver uh, it now. Under, <laughs> understandably. Okay. Uh, it is. Uh, you love to hear it. <laughs> That's the segment. And what we're going to do is we're going to feature something that I don't usually hear on TV and political discussions, or on TV in general, mm-hmm. because things can be a bit conformist. And so this week, uh, you love to hear it, features one Morgan Ortegas, who appeared on The View in the same chair that I did, and faced Adam Schiff, oh. Representative Adam Schiff, who was there promoting a book, and of course was a high-profile uh, booster of the entire Russia investigation, uh, and as part of it, the Steele dossier which many of us were skeptical about from the beginning. But it turns out uh, now there was great reason for that, and we have a lot of uh, receipts about why that was the case. So Morgan Ortegas, in the view seat, goes after Adam Schiff. You've been really prolific over the past few years being the head of the Intel Committee, and you defended, promoted, you even read into the congressional record the Steele dossier. Um, and we know last week the main source of the dossier was indicted by the FBI for lying about most of the key claims in that dossier. Do you have any reflections on your role in promoting this to the American people? Well, first of all, whoever lied to the FBI or lied to Christopher Steele should be prosecuted, uh, and they are. Uh, And unlike in the Trump administration, if they're convicted, they should go to jail, not be pardoned. Uh, So Donald Trump pardoned Roger Stone for lying. He pardoned Michael Flynn for lying. Uh, If people lied to the FBI, they should go to jail. Um, But at the beginning of the Russian investigation, I said that any allegations should be investigated. We couldn't have known, for example, people were lying to Christopher Steele. So it was proper to investigate them. And let's not forget what we learned in that investigation. We learned that the Trump campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, was giving internal polling data, campaign polling data, to Russian intelligence while Russian intelligence was helping the Trump campaign. And to be clear, he was fired halfway through the campaign. Well, he may have been fired, but the the effort to get Russian help continued, and even beyond the effort to get Russian help, the president also sought to get... disinformation yourself for years by promoting this. I think that's what Republicans and what people who entrusted you as the Intel Committee chair are so confused about your culpability in all of this. And that wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter and at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast.